Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hadrico Live. And today we are talking about swagger and how you can unleash it as we sit down with author of the upcoming book, Swagger, Leslie M. And she's going to tell us about how you can unleash that swagger inside of you, no matter where you are or who you're with. So stay tuned as Hadrico Live starts right now. Hadrico Live Hadrico 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 Live Hadrico Live Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hadrico Live Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to another episode of your favorite podcast of mine. It's the Hadrico Live. And yes, today we are all about swagger. We have a very special guest with us today. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hadrico Live. I'm your host, Hadrico, and today we have Leslie M. And she is going to teach us all about what swagger really means. Now, you thought you knew what it means your whole life, but a lot of us have been faking what we thought swagger is. But we're going to get down into it on an episode today where we talk about self-improvement and about getting you where we want to get to. But without further ado, Leslie, how do you do? I do so great. I swear you could just talk to me all day long with that voice. Listen, hey. That's like the upside of being on this, <laughs> the extra, extra upside of being on this podcast is I get to just listen to your voice. Well, listen, first off, we are we are extremely happy to have you here. And the voice is here. It's, it's a part of the Hadrico charm. So it's what we do here. But for all my listeners who may not know, because I, I really try to go out and get guests from all walks of life. You know, we get athletes, we get music people. Today we get an author. But see, you're not just an author. You oh, have no. a very, very well-documented and pa a past that goes from TV to training. Tell us a little bit about who Leslie M. is. Whew, well, let's see. Uh, I have a very weird, long history of things. I, uh, I started my professional life as a singer. I was a singer way back in the day. And then I kind of accidentally moved into the film industry, which is a weird transition. It's a long story. But my music partner was in the film industry. So I kind of segued into that. And then I accidentally started to work on television. I was pitching a TV show to a big production company because I would I started to develop screen stories and and uh, TV concepts and so on. And in the middle of my pitch, because you know me, I go big, I go large. Whenever I get an opportunity, I'm all in. So it. I uh, I pitched this this concept, and the guy who owned the production company said to me, "You know, you should be on camera." And I was like, yeah, clearly I should be on camera. Clearly you're a genius. And so they they hired me and they gave me a talk show. But I hated it. It was horrible because there was such a disconnect in terms of our values, which is the worst thing ever. I wanted to be white Oprah. That was my dream. <laughs> I just like this. She was my queen. She still is. And I wanted to do everything that she was doing. And I loved her so much. And they wanted me to be Jerry Springer. Oh. So it just did not go well because I just I'm not mean. 
I mean, I'm tough and I'm cool, but I'm not mean in any way, shape or form. So um, I did six episodes and then I said, I don't want to do this. Please let me go, which they did. And then I went, well, I guess someone wanted me. Maybe somebody else will want me. And that began my TV career, which I did for for a bunch of years. Then I decided to move back to Canada from the UK, where I'd been living for 17 years. And I really had no saleable skills except for, you know, being on TV and being a singer and working in the film industry, which, you know, none of that is really a saleable skill. So I, I kind of do what I do. And I looked at what were my transferable skills? What were the things that I had learned along the way and how could I use them? And I talked my way into an advertising agency. And within about eight months of talking my way in as an intermediate copywriter, I ended up being the creative director, which I did for for a fair few years. But I I loved being in a place of creativity and all that stuff. And I loved working with people. It was really my first experience in some some semblance of the corporate world. You know, advertising has its own corporate world when you work in big global agencies like I did. But I realized that I couldn't really help my people, the people that I was I was given to lead from from the inside. I was too busy putting out client fires. I was too busy delivering work. I was too busy dealing with the politics and all of the crap that goes along being in a, in a corporate job. And uh, my people were suffering. They they had big skills gaps. They didn't know how to present well. They didn't know how to tap into their creativity effectively. They didn't understand how to collaborate. All of these things that that the assumption is that we we know naturally when we work in advertising, we don't. Just <laughs> so you know. Um, so like it really it's, it was a bit of a you know what show. So uh, I came home one day and I said to my husband, I, I feel like I'm using my superpowers for evil instead of good. And I think I'm going to quit my job and start a training company. To which he said, excuse me, say what? You have a very good job that pays you lots of (laughs) money. money. You're going to do, say what? I said, yeah, come on. It's a great idea. He said, babe, babe, you hate training and you're untrainable. I said, perfect. Who better to start a training company than someone who is A, untrainable, and B, hates training? Because if I can create experiences for people like me, then I'm probably going to be onto something, right? Um, So that's what I did. I quit my job and started a training company, and that was 13 years ago. Mm. And I found my my happy place, my my place of purpose. Now, you did something that most people won't do. You took a step on faith and you bet on yourself. You know, you said, I'm going to go against what all traditional, all what everything says. The fortune cookie says, don't no fortune cookie you're going to get. Going to say, quit your job tomorrow and start a training company. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to do that, there had to be a point where you had to, was there any, any bit of nervousness? What, what was the concern? Or did you just say, hey, I'm betting on myself. I'm going all in and this is just what I'm going to do. Well, I'm someone who I understands their personal power. Like I know who I am. I've always known who I am. And when I decide that I want something and then I'm going to go after it, it's going to take a lot to stop me because mm. I got a lot of stuff. And when I'm like, when I'm all in, I am all in and I put everything to work. I put my smarts and my heart and my intuition and my integrity and uh, my creativity and stuff. And that's a pretty that's a pretty unstoppable combination. And I think in this world, if you know who you are, you know, if you know what you got and you're not apologizing for it and you're not pretending that you're less than you are and you're not doing things to try and 
fit into somebody else's mold. You can just do you. You are the most powerful you when you when you do that. And that, so that's what I did. I was like, and also I was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? So it doesn't work. Big deal. I'll go get a job. I've always said, I'll go. If it doesn't work out. I'll go get a job. Always that had a job. Why, why not get another one? Yeah. He's always had one. Now you've I've talked also my said, way into five other careers so I could talk my way into another three. Who cares? Now right? see, that's one gift that you have that I believe that a lot of people wish they had. It's that gift mm-hmm. of gab, that, that being mm-hmm. able to speak at a large you know, audiences and speaking to people. Now you list a lot of things. You listed TV, you listed advertising. You forgot boxing. I saw you was up in there hit putting paws on people saying you're not tough. So you, yeah. I want to listen for all the listeners. Don't let her fool you. She is a small potato, but she hard to peel. Okay. She, she, <laughs> she can handle her hands in the ring too. So she's squared off a lot of different ways, but tell me after this big melting pot of careers, now it comes together in the culmination and we have this book. The book mm-hmm. called Swagger. Now, I, mm-hmm. I get introduced with a lot of different ideas. People say, hey, I want to be on the podcast for this. I want to be on the podcast for that. There's some people I, I see their, their story and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to call you. <laughs> I'm a, don't come by, but I'm going to call you. Don't ever, you know, you know, you know what you I'm saying? You can come by. Yeah. You're welcome yeah, to come by. Yeah, you know, yeah. but we'll see. But as soon as I saw the title of this book, I didn't look at the name of the author. I didn't look at the name. I saw the title of the book and it grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. Swagger. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it what what can people expect? Because when this book drops and it's dropping in May, come, ladies and gentlemen, it's coming soon. What can they expect when they pick up a copy of Swagger? Well, listen, no lie, I I I hope it's going to change their lives. That's why I wrote the book. I really, really, really want to do that for people, and I believe that the book has the potential to do that. Because here's the thing, you know, when you hear the word swagger you automatically think of that peacocky, show-off, strutty, arrogant, in-your-face kind of jam, which is not cute. It's not cute. It's not sexy, just so you know. It's it's not. It's, it's, it's arrogant. And people do not respond well to that. The kind of swagger that I'm talking about is very, very different. My definition of swagger is the ability to manifest who you really are and hold on to it in the face of all that psychological crap that's going to try and come for it, regardless of situation or environment. So it means that you really figure out who you are and you show up the same no matter where you go, no matter what is happening, no matter what challenges, no matter what situation. There's one you, one face, one heart, one mind. And the world cannot mess with that. It cannot cause you to be anything other than who you really are. And I think that's the the key to happiness. I think it's what differentiates us. It's our place of power. And it gives us that sense of agency in our own life that nobody can control us. We can choose to bring our best self to wherever we are. And we can choose to give our company that we work for everything that we are because we feel that we are entitled to be fully realized. You know, no, and I we do. don't we don't ask for permission. We just we just go go large and bring everything we are to the party. Now, everything you said, listen, it, it sound good. I mean, it's it sound <laughs> perfect. It sound like it's the way to go and it's the thing to do. But we there's live a in butt. A, there's a there, butt coming. I can hear it. There's everybody, a butt. everybody got one in it, and they come okay. equipped with two cheeks. Okay. <laughs> Here's the question for you: the world we live in, 
equips us to put on so many different masks. You got to have mm-hmm. the social media mask. I, my mm-hmm. life can be horrible, but when I get on Facebook, it got to be amazing. You know, it, mm-hmm. and there's the work mask. I can be my way at home, but when I get to work, I got to be rigid because that's the way work likes. When I, when, mm-hmm. I, when I get around my kids, you know, there's so many different masks that you have to wear. How do you make that authentic you fit in this unauthentic world? Because this world is not authentic. How mm-hmm. are you telling people to say, hey, be you. It's okay to be you and fit in in this world. Well, you used a lot of shoulds and have tos. Mm. I, I, would, I would challenge that. I don't think you have to. I think when you go to work, the expectation is that you have a degree of professionalism, right? That's what people want. They want you to respect the respect your colleagues. They want you to do your best work. They want you to show up on time, to be accountable for your actions. They want you to be kind and collaborate with other people and help everybody to be their best. But there is no manual that says when you show up at work, you gotta walk like this, talk like this, act like this, be like this. We tell that story to ourselves. We look around us and we go, all right, what's everybody else doing? And, and it, uh, let, me, let me figure out how I can fit in. I gotta fit in. No, you don't. No, you don't. You gotta be in your place of excellence. You gotta do your good work. And you gotta be cool. Like you gotta respect the people who are around you. But you do not have to walk and talk and act and dress and behave like everybody else. Because when you do, you become invisible. You assimilate into this Borg, you know? And that's actually how you don't get ahead, how you don't succeed, how you don't get those opportunities because nobody notices you. Mm. And it's something we do to ourselves. There is no rule book written anywhere that says you must be like everybody else. It's just the thing that we've told ourselves and it's bold, you know what? No, no, listen, some, listen sometimes you have to, deli- like you said, some, you said on one of your posts, sometimes you got to put the word in there to make it right. Sometimes it's bullshit. You can call it it's how you bullshit. say it. bullshit. Sometimes it is. It, it really is. And I think that's one of the things that's so impactful about the book. So I was, I've been blessed enough to read just a couple of the chapters and I'm getting into it. And one thing that you talked about very early on is about, you know, you had, you had the form and you had a gentleman come up and he gave what he thought was the right answer. What he thought was the answer that everybody wanted to hear. But then as you kind of kept pushing him and gave him to give the, the real answer, he even got emotional. Getting people to tie into that real them can really bring out those emotions. But one thing that kind of underlines that word is confidence. We have mm-hmm. people who don't have what I like to call real confidence. They got, they got fake confidence. They got the confidence that they want you to think they have. How do you balance that facade between that, that fake confidence and real confidence? How do you let your confidence come to the top? So the, the whole fake it till you make it thing is, is the worst thing that you can do in this world. It's the worst piece of advice that anyone could give you. It's the worst piece of advice to take. It does not work. Because here's the, here's the thing. When, when you're going through that fake it till you make it thing, what you're trying to pretend to the world is that you have this magical thing called confidence, except you don't have it. (laughs) The only way that you can have legit confidence is as a result of competence. Only by getting good at something, doing it over and over and over again, and proving to your own brain that, hey, I kind of got this, you know, like you could kind of put me in a bunch of situations. I know what to do. I, I have the skills. I have the experience. Like I'm good. My baseline is pretty good. That's where true confidence 
stems from. And if you fake having confidence, you limit your ability to build competence. First of all, you're walking around telling everybody how you got it. Oh my God, I'm so all over it. I got it, whatever. It means you can never ask anybody for help. You can never put up your hand and go, ah, yeah, maybe there's a little thing that I don't know. Or maybe, maybe I'm, I've been sort of, you know, talking a good game and I really do need some more experience here or there because now you're a liar. So you can't do that. So now you're trapped, you're paralyzed, right? Plus the fact that um, if you if you continue to go through that fake it to you make it thing, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And, and big, big study that was done at Cornell University. And what they discovered was that when, when people you know, I smoke their own crack, right? When they when they start believing their own hype, mm-hmm. they stop being able to make good decisions because they really don't have all the information necessary to make a good decision, but they won't let you know. So A, they stop being able to make good decisions mm-hmm. and B, they, they also um, stop, they start to believe that they are better and smarter than they are. Which, which results in a, this horrible combination of ignorance and arrogance. You know, mm-hmm. we all seen people like that, right? And you know what's we funny, that like- person, I hate to, that person that you see who does that, that's typically the person you can't wait to watch them fall. You can't yes. wait for that moment to come for that person to make that mistake. As soon as they do, you can say, aha, you didn't know it. You didn't come mm-hmm. find out. And that person, like you mentioned before, they can't come back and ask for help because they've almost, they haven't burnt the bridge, but I'm telling you what, they, they, they may have lit a couple couple sparklers on it to get they people dug, to that they point. dug a hole oh yes, they, they they're have. standing up to their neck in that hole and they don't know how to climb out and it, it's the worst thing that you can do because he, the thing that everybody is so afraid of is kind of owning where they are in their journey at that time mm-hmm. i mean we we all started from somewhere we all had to be at the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of experience there was a time listen i've had seven careers or something and believe me i knew absolutely nothing about each one of them when i started like zero and i had to find out and figure it out and i wasn't going to pretend what i what i did which is the advice i give to everybody is you find the person around you who knows the most and you go over to them and you say, hi, really incredibly smart person who knows so many things. I just, you know, I think you're pretty amazing and pretty smart. Would you mind if I learned from you? Because I would really appreciate if I could learn from you because I think you really got it going on. And then because you've now A, flattered them and recognized their ability, usually they go, okay, okay. sure. And then if you're really, really smart, you turn around and you tell everybody how you got smart, how you got better. You say, that guy or that girl gave me their wisdom. They had the time, they had the patience, they had the generosity of spirit. The things they taught me are incredible. That's why I know so much now, blah, blah, blah. Because first of all, you're acknowledging where you are now, that you have more knowledge, but you're crediting somebody else for helping you to get there. So you think everybody else doesn't want to go, hey, let me help you now. Let me let me help you because you're going to say the same positive, positive things, things about, about me, mm-hmm. right? And so um, the, the thing is that people are, have somehow convinced themselves that the, there's this weird expectation that we come into the world fully formed, knowing everything. And it doesn't matter where we go or what we do. Start a new job. Never done this before, but I'm supposed to know what I'm, what I'm doing. Oh my God, you so don't know what you're doing. Please put your hand up. And go, imagine if, if surgeons behaved like that, you know, 
Would you want your surgeon till they fake it till you make it? No, I don't think so. Not at all. You know, but it's a story that we tell ourselves, and it it is a a such a like it's a self imposed prison that we lock ourselves into because the longer we do it, the worse off we are. The longer the sentence. Worse off. The longer the, yeah. the longer you do it, the longer the sentence. I believe the yeah. quote you put in the book was, "Confidence does not breed competence, but competence breeds confidence." Yeah, oh, oh, oh. that's it. Look, he's let, quoting let, me. Let, let quotes, bars. So, in this book, you take people on a journey. You, I, I, to me, it seems more like a journey. You kind of, you, mm. and you basically, you, I, you're, you're a journey of undressing all the fakeness that's around you and saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, it's okay to be you." What do you say to that person who is still nervous, who's who's reading the book and they saying, "Oh, it's easy to, for you to say do this because you have this, this, and that." How do you get them or what would be better? That's a better question. What would be the first step to embracing a person's true swagger? I think the the first thing is to figure out who you really are, to start listening to those little voices in your head that are telling you that things don't feel right. You know, I wish I could speak my truth. I wish people could see me for who I was. I wish when people acknowledged my contribution, I felt like it was the real me that had done it. And we, we over time, we kind of lose connection with who we really are. Mm-hmm. Like I would say in the book, you, you want to know who you really are, go ask someone who you've been buddies with since 10th grade. They'll tell you. Tell you, know? tell you everything someone about who you, you. Who you know today, but you also knew back then. Go and ask that person. What do you what do you, what have you always loved about me? What's the same about me today that that it was you know back in the day? What what are the qualities that you've always admired in me? Why do you keep me around? Why are we friends? You know, then go and talk to somebody who you've known maybe I don't know ten years. Let's let's assume you're ten years past tenth grade, and ask that person maybe someone who you, you you met at work but you became really good friends with. Ask them the same questions. See if what they say aligns with your 10th grade friend. Now go talk to somebody who's only known you six months and only known you through work, for example. Ask them the same questions and see if all three people see you the same way or if there's a radical difference. I call that the swagger gap. If there's a radical difference in the way that they perceive you, it shows you how disconnected you become. Because look, we all come into the world a swagger-filled badass. You look at kids, you know, kids feeling the bad selves. They look in the mirror, they go, I am beautiful, I am awesome, I got it going on, I can do anything. And then comes life. And life starts kicking the crap out of them. Little, little, you know, strips are pulled off their confidence, off their sense of self-worth, their sense of ability. They start letting all of this bullshit from around them take their toll. And at some point, you know, most of us wake up and we go, what happened? Where did I go? Like, where's, where's the me that was adventurous and that took risks and, you know, felt so good about, about myself and, and felt like I could do anything. What happened to that guy? What happened to that girl? That, that is kind of the place that I want people to start from is to say, I want you to go and go back and figure out who was that person that got chipped away at. Cause you're still that person. Mm-hmm. It's just gotten trapped inside because you're, you're protecting something. You, you become afraid. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have the memories of, of, of pain. You become insecure. You're too focused on ambition. You're too trapped in persona. All of those are what I refer to as the swagger blockers. Mm. 
You're stuck in those places. Maybe all of them, maybe some of them, but your swagger is still there, right? And it's, but it's now it's just trapped in there with you because the world doesn't feel safe to you anymore. You, it seems like you, you lose the carelessness and you adopt the caution. When you were a kid, you were careless. When I was a kid, I'd jump out of every tree. Boy, let me tell you something. I won't even jump down the top the two stairs. You understand me? I'm <laughs> well, I, bet you, I bet you were such trouble when you were a kid. I I'm, bet you were I'm like the best still kind of a, I'm still about to trouble now, but I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. You know, people do kind of get away from that careless attitude. And there is a point where you can't be completely. You can't just go into it. YOLO is also a dangerous term. You can't just say you only live mm -hmm. life once. To a certain extent, you can to a certain extent, you still have to be somewhat responsible. You can't just go completely to the left field. But well, I say it's not YOLO. I say this is not a rehearsal, this mm. life we get. We don't get a do-over. You get one ride around the carousel. That's it. And so the things that you, you dream of are only going to happen if you do them. If you think about the things that you're going to regret not having done or not having tried... If you know what those things are today, then shame on you because you don't get a do-over. And the people around you will suffer as well because you will not be able to be your fully realized self. And it doesn't mean you have to be irresponsible. That's got nothing to do with it. You know, it, the, the irony is that we all know that at work, for example, who's the boss that we love the most? Mm -hmm. It's that boss who speaks the truth to us, who is transparent, who we feel we can trust, who wants to take the time to connect with us authentically, and who doesn't seem to fall into any, you know, bullshit, political drama at work and stuff. They kind of seem to be above it, and they really seem to care about their people. That's the boss that we gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. And yet, we think trying to be that boss is somehow not allowed. All of the things that speaking their truth, transparency, openness, vulnerability, what you see is what you get, uh, human connection, all of those things. Those are the exact things that we are moving away from when we don't tap into our swagger, when we, we try to assimilate. So, of course, we're never going to achieve these wonderful things that we want to achieve. Now, how, how do you balance this? Now, here, here's, where I, here's where I push back. Mm -hmm. There's no versity like controversy. What happens in today's world? Because in today's world, you can't say everything you want to say because we're in a society where things are a lot more sensitive. If you say something to somebody and mm -hmm. it's perceived the wrong way or they say, you know what, I was intimidated by the way this person said something, it becomes a very, it's, 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 a, it's a gray area. So mm -hmm. sometimes that old boss, I'll give you a best example. So when I first joined the military, I remember my first supervisor, I asked him for directions on how to get somewhere. He told me, do you know how to read? Do you have eyes? Go find the board. And if you read well enough, you know how to get there. Now, while I just looked at it as, well, I, I probably should get out of his face and go get done what I need to get done. 2021, man, they, they, they may put you under the jail if you talk to somebody crazy like that. So, and I'm not saying that you want to take back the disrespectful part of things, but mm -hmm. some things you just can't bring back. How do you balance that? Okay, so there's three drivers of swagger. Mm -hmm. One is truth. And we know that truth is something that you've got to think carefully about because you can't just run around with your hair on fire screaming, I must speak my truth and kind of barf it all over people. No one's for that. No, nobody has the patience for that. And, you know, that's not what it, what it's about. The tr your truth is the stuff that you're, that you feel like 
you must say in order to be the best contributor to the collective. It's the stuff you you have to contribute. I got to say this out loud. I don't want to be held back. But the next part of it is intention. Cuz your intention is everything. <clears throat> if you if you are speaking your truth and you're not considering your intention, it's not going to go well for you. So even when you speak your truth, you ha sometimes have to take a step back and say, look, this is not, I don't, I can't just barf it all over everybody and expect them to like it. I have to think about if I really want my truth to land, I have to think about how am I going to frame my truth? When am I going to speak it? Where am I going to speak it? And to whom am I going to speak it? If I want it to land, I got to be smart. The next part is, in is intention. That's why am I speaking it? And if you're if you're speaking your truth, like solely for your own gain, it's probably not going to go well. But if you are speaking your truth and it's of benefit to the collective or for the greater good, it's got a way better chance of landing. And here's the secret that most people don't know: things can be good for you and for the collective at the same time. Mm. You're not sacrificing what's good for you for the collective, right? So so the why you're speaking it is really important. If your intention is to be an asshole, you're going to get what you deserve. It's not going to go well. If your intention is to big yourself up in order to make somebody else look bad, it's not going to go well. If your intention is to try and suppress somebody else, to, to keep them quiet, it's not going to go well. If it's to take the attention away from somebody else and have the light shine on you, is not going to go well. But if your intention is to somehow contribute, people have a tendency, the good ones mm -hmm. have a tendency to take a step back and say, okay, I'll, you know, I'll have a listen. So for example, you know, you look at those difficult conversations that, that everybody's worried about having, you know, at work, let's say you've got a, you've got a review coming up and your boss is going to sit you down and tell you, all kinds of stuff and you're nervous about it but you want to get the best feedback possible and maybe your boss doesn't have the best reputation for knowing how to give feedback mm -hmm. so he might know it or she might know it you know it and everyone's just set up for this thing that's why they only do it once a year because nobody wants to go through that right it's like, doing it what can times. i do to avoid it <laughs> but if you walk into that meeting and you say hey so before we start, I just want you to know that my intention here is to really do my best to understand what's working and what what might not be working um, so that I can be the best contributor possible. And I know that these conversations can be really difficult, um, but I do want it to be a conversation. So if there's something that I don't understand or I don't agree with, I'm just going to ask questions. Cool? Yeah. Now the person is not on their back foot anymore. They're like, oh, they're open and okay. I don't have to worry so much. I have to be so careful. The likelihood is that you're going to have a way more productive conversation. And you spoke your truth. You, you said, I'm a little nervous about this. I, you know, I, I want to make sure it goes well. My intention is, is, you know, is to contribute in a meaningful way. I know these conversations could be hard for you. I know they can be hard for me. So let's just try and keep it chill and have a great conversation. And then the person kind of goes, whew, okay. That's good. It's I like, like that. You know, defusing a situation before the bomb even gets lit. Yes. And, and yes. That's the best way and to I, go about in, it. In the book, I talk a lot about do-overs. If you're if if something didn't go well, go back at it. Go knock on that person's door and say, "I didn't like how that went. That was if it wasn't good for me. I'm guessing it wasn't good for you either." 
The other thing that I teach people to do is to scenario plan, is to say, okay, I want to go in there and speak my truth and I want to make sure it's going to land. My intention is clear and I have self-belief, which is the third driver. I really believe that I, that I should be speaking my truth, but let's lay it out because I don't want to get stuck in fear or insecurity. I don't want to let that stop me. So, okay, so I could go in and say these things and I could get reaction A, reaction B, or reaction C. Okay, what am I going to do if I get A? What am I going to do if I get B? And what am I going to do if I get C? So that I will not be knocked off my center no matter what happens. And just, just as you go through the act of kind of scenario planning, you build up the competence that leads to confidence for, to be able to have those conversations and, and make connections. Plus, once you've scenario planned a little bit in your head and there might be a D that comes at you, you'll probably be able to pivot to the D and be able to have that conversation too. You know, nothing is ever, nothing, nothing is ever as simple as black and white. There's not only one answer or one way to have a conversation or one way to do it. It's what's real between between two humans. Like what the moment we're having here can never be, never be recreated. No matter how hard we try, it's gone. It's done. You know? So we gotta we gotta know that that we only get one go and we wanna bring as much quality to it as, as possible. And yeah, you gotta be a little brave, but you also gotta ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm. Right? That is something that I have lived by my entire life. I, the word no, I've embraced it. I learned how to say it in so many different languages just because I want to be comfortable <laughs> with it. I, no, knit, nine. I mean, you come on, however you want to give it to me. <laughs> because a lot of times people are so afraid of hearing the word no that they will, in fear of hearing no, they will prevent themselves from ever hearing yes because they won't even yes. ask the question. And I think that's another part that, get, that the book addresses when you get to that point of embracing your swagger, you lose that fear. You lose yeah. that fear of saying, yeah. well, I, I wonder how this is gonna go. No, we ain't gonna wonder. We're gonna ask yep. and we're gonna mm -hmm. know. And then once we do know, we now know how to address. And that's where, once again, plan A, B, and C comes into play. So for the person who is, well, I don't know, what, what can, how do we bring this home? Because I think they need to understand just how important this book is. And I can sit here and tell you all day long, this is on the Hadrico reading list. You know, I'm just starting it now. You know, something new, exclusive. Hadrico reading list. <laughs> Boom. Coming up. And this has made it to the list. And this is a great book and, a, and from a great author, as you guys can see. But if you had to say, if you had to give me three reasons why Tom, Tim, Tasha, Tina, whoever, man, woman, child, and or beast, Mm -hmm. should buy this book what would be those reasons um i think number one because we all deserve to have our swagger unleashed and without without having sort of a guidebook to hold your hand it can be really overwhelming and this book is super practical. I don't play. I come from the training background. This book walks you through it step by step by step. Tons of exercises. It's practical. It's no bullshit. It's real. I do not hold back in any way, shape, or form. So if you want a how-to as opposed to just, you know, you get yourself all worked up and all inspired, but then you don't know what to do with yourself, that is not what this book is about. It is very much a guidebook on how to do it. So I think that's the first thing. Okay. Second of all... There's countless stories in this book from people who I've worked with in the best companies in the world, all around the world and at all levels of the organization. So you will see yourself 
in someone in this book. You will recognize your own story and you will see what people have gone through to unleash their swagger and what happened to them and how did it change their lives. So again, I'm not blowing smoke. There is these, this is proof of what these people have, have experienced and all of them were willing to share their stories in the book. Every single one got a big tick. Is the, here's the story that, that we experienced together. Do you want to share it? And everybody who's in the book said, hell to the yeah, because I want more people to find and unleash their swagger. And the third reason is that I really do believe that it has the potential to change your life. Like I said, the full circle moment now we're coming to. I like like I said in the beginning, it has the potential to change your life because if you're picking up the book and you're considering it in the first place, you're already there. You are already there. Your swagger is waiting for you. The question is, what are you waiting for? What are you holding back from? So you've given three great reasons. Now I'm going to give you one else you got to give. Tell the people where they get the book from. Now I know we can pre-order now. I know pre-order started, but for everybody who wants to get this book, how do they get, better yet, let me change that. How do they unleash their swagger? <laughs> okay, there's lots of ways. If you wanna, if you wanna be able to read the first chapter right now, mm. you can go to swaggerthebook.com and join the Swagger Collective. Y'all, you get a whole bunch of other little perks too, but the first thing you're gonna get is the first chapter. It will come right into your inbox. So that's pretty cool. And you can learn all about about the book. You can pre-order on all good booksellers because I'm everywhere. <laughs> so you can get it Amazon.com, and you can get it Amazon.ca, Barnes and Nobles books a million porchlight books all the indie bookstores I'm, I'm everywhere uh if you want to follow me on social always a good thing because i'm all the swagger all the time so you can find me on instagram at, at leslie m speaks i know we are connected babe oh yeah, yeah. got you i know we got, got a lot you. of love on instagram yeah uh you can find me on linkedin also at, at leslie m you can find me on facebook at, at leslie m speaks i'm also on twitter at at Leslie M and even on Clubhouse, my Clubhouse jam. I love Clubhouse. Man. You gotta come be my guest on Clubhouse. Hey, let me know. Such a good time. You come on. Such a good time. Every Monday at 4 p.m. EST, I'm on Clubhouse in the Swagger Collective Room. It's easy to find. Um, and uh, you know, my my thing is all about connection. So you could talk to me anywhere. Just I mean, some people go like, I follow you, but I don't want to talk. I'm like, no, <laughs> message me, say hi, ask me a question. I'll do my best to answer it. Connect with me. Listen, this is this is my legacy work now. This is the thing I'm the most proud of and the thing that I'm going to leave behind. So I just want to spread the swagger message as far as I possibly can and reach as many people as possible. So, hey, I'm all, I'm all here for you. I'm all for it. And I just, I just want you to be unleashed and be happier and live your absolutely most badass best life. Well, you know what? I like it. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I feel, <laughs> swear you're trying to come up my sugar, close all that up. <laughs> First off, I want to take the time to thank you, but this brings me to my final time out. Ladies and gentlemen, for the final time out today, we relearned a lot. We learned about swagger and what it truly is. It's not just a song. It's not just a beat. Your swagger is who you are and unleashing that real you. We live in a world where being fake is easy. I can tell you anybody that I want to be. I can be you. I can be somebody else. I can be the guy down the street. But guess what? How about you try something different? Try being that person that you've been for umpteenth years. That person that you look at in the mirror. That person that you go to sleep with. That person that you wake up with. Because that person 
is amazing. And that person has swagger, but you and only you can unleash that. Now I'm giving you a tool to help you unleash that, but that swagger that's deep down inside, you got to want to have it. Cause if you don't, somebody else going to always tell you who you are and who you want to be. Bam. We want to thank our guest, Leslie M for coming on with us, sitting down with us down here in the Hudrico live. Man, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming to sit and spending some time with me, man. It, it's truly been a swagalicious event. This is about just about as the most fun you can have with your clothes on. I have to say that. So <laughs> I love it. I love thank it. Thank you so much for giving Swagger a platform and for oh, giving me the most delicious hour of my life, baby. Of, this was so lovely. Listen, of course, man. We want to thank all our supporters, the our Patreon supporters, the Brown family, Aziz family, Brick House Barbecue, Franklin family, Sean Cromarty, Jamie Tate, my sponsors, De Destiny House, uh, Clothing House. William Ball, y'all know who y'all are. That's the supporting show. And that's another episode of Hadrico Live in the books. <laughs>